Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 51 of the Training for Ultra podcast. I'm Michelle Barton. And today we have a very special guest who is a dear friend of mine. We have Dean Carnassi joining us. So we're very <laughs> happy to have you, Dean. I thought you were going to say, I'm the, you're the special guest, not me. I'm happy to have you guys on the line. I'm uh, honored. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Dean, it's it's awesome to have you on. You're, you're quite the legend yeah. in ultra running and um, appreciate you guys taking the time. I know you guys have a lot of background together. And you have a lot of really cool stories to share that maybe the listener hasn't heard before. Because I know you guys have done events together, you've helped each other, mm-hmm. and you truly, correct me if I'm wrong, was your friendship like at the finish line of Western States? Is that where you guys met? That was initially in 2004. And then um, a few months after, Carno's book was out, The Confessions book, which is my favorite book of all time. And um, I went to a book signing and kind of just uh, started um, asking him questions. I wanted to improve my running and be a better ultra runner. And so he helped me along the way a lot and helped inspire me and gave me a lot of direction and um, helped me really win a lot of races. So we've had a friendship for like 14 years now. Had a lot of fun at Badwater and different adventures that Carno's done. Well, I mean, to know Michelle is to love Michelle. That's what I say. I mean, um, <laughs> the one thing that Michelle is very bad at is saying no, <laughs> which I love about her. <laughs> so, hey, Michelle, you want to you want to do this? Oh, sure, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I, yeah, let's do it. So, um, you know, uh, Michelle and I, I mean, we we could spend uh, a couple episodes talking about some of the adventures we've had. I mean, um, you know, outside of the bad right. uh, of the race course where she's you know, crude and paced me um, at races yeah. like Badwater, where she's run, you know, would, would you run 90 miles pacing me? <laughs> yeah, Some insane amount. Miles and, 92 and, miles. And like, our friends were, like, trying to switch out uh, Pacer to your friend JT Service, and I was like, no, and I was getting really mad and upset, and they're like, no, you need to, like, rest so you can be better for later. So, yeah. <laughs> Lot and of, and JT, JT, yeah, and he's like he's like a uh, a sub two fifteen marathoner, and he was afraid to run at Badwater. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. So Michelle, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. But I, I'm intimidated with Badwater. That's for sure. You two have good experience there, and it's it's cool because by pacing Dean, it seems like Michelle, you definitely picked up a bunch of tips on Badwater. Because you had your successful race there. Um, oh, what, definitely. I mean, how? Because it's a heck of a commitment to do that. Kind of. When was that? And how many times did you end up pacing him? And any good memories there? Any good hallucination <laughs> stories? <Yeah. laughs> nature stories. Oh, we got a good nature story. Yeah. Yeah, hallucination oh, stories yeah. too, right? I I think one of those stories is in in the book. <laughs> and, you know it, 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 yep. Well, I mean, let's let's let me let me you know let, let me give the backstory. And you know, first of all, in Greek, you know, we know how the ancient Greek athletes used to run, right? 
um, in the buff, as you, as you will. But <laughs> I'm running Badwater. Uh, Michelle is uh, crewing for me with a couple of her dear girlfriends, and mm-hmm. it's a bad year for this kid. I mean, I'm I'm falling apart. My you know my poor dad had just got out of open heart surgery the day before, and I'm emotionally a wreck. And the race is going right. horribly. And if you've ever been at Badwater before, uh, any any thread of clothing that can chafe will yeah. chafe. <laughs> and I was chafing like right. crazy. I mean, there's there's no amount of, of tucking in and rolling up you can do to avoid the chafing. And, the, and there's no amount of lotion or, or, you know, butter you can put on your body because it just evaporates so quickly. So I say to my pacer, yeah. it's the middle of the night, you know, JT, I'm I'm going. I got to do the full Monty. I I'm chafing too bad. This just hurts. I'll, he's like, okay. He's like, if you're in, I'm in. Let's just keep our vests on because that's a that's like a race rule. So you got to keep the vest on, or we, we get disqualified. So we kept our vests on, and we're running. And I'm like, you know, where where is the crew? Because I don't want them to see us like this. And he's like, oh, I don't. They're asleep on the roadside somewhere back there. So I'm like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> so JT and I are, are are running along, and this car kind of pulls up slowly behind. I hear these cat calls <laughs> and these whistles. I'm like, "Oh no, who's that?" And there is Michelle. <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't have a camera. But um, anyway, I did. She, oh, you did. <laughs> it, probably mel- it probably melted, right? I was good. I was good. No, it was like seriously midnight, middle of the night. Yep, running naked through the, and I'll never forget because um, we came up upon these other two runners, and Michelle, I said, Michelle, yeah. who is that in front of us? And you told me, you said, I think it's Charlie Engel uh, yes. and his paster, yes. and and Charlie Engel's an old friend of mine, so I'm like, okay, like JT, when we run by him, let's just keep it really right. nonchalant and just pass him, but be yes. totally naked. So we run by Charlie, and I'm like, oh, hey, Charlie, and the guy's like, Charlie. Who's Charlie? And I'm like, oh fuck, it's not Charlie. It's hilarious. Like, My name's Eric, and I'm from Australia, from Sydney, and you're not wearing any clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice uh, to meet you. That's hilarious. But, I mean, so but was... legit, the chafing was real, and like Carno was seriously, you know, the crew at Badwater will meet the runner every mile or two. If you go more than that, you're screwed. Like you're gonna run out of everything. So wow. every couple miles, Carno like needed scissors. He wanted to cut everything off. Remember, like <laughs> the waistband, like like it's a real thing. You, you like everything uh, that's like touching your body. You want it off, so you just want to make it looser. And so like this running naked thing wasn't like oh ha ha. You know, at first it was like seriously like made him more comfortable to run. How how hot was it <laughs> at midnight? Uh, it probably was close to a hundred. I mean. It was well, you know, uh, Michelle. You've been to Badwater. I mean, some years, like I'll never forget. One year, yeah. I ran, and the low temperature at Stovepipe Wells at two in the morning. This is the low was 114. So there are years right. when it just stays ungodly hot, and then there's other years when you get up to like there's a place called Darwin, um, which is kind of like in yeah. the morning of the next day, and it can be kind of chilly. But that particular year, Michelle, I just remember as being um, extraordinarily hot. Yeah. It was probably like 128 high and like for sure over 100 in the middle of the night. So I've I've had hallucination stories with my pacer, uh, Kara, in, uh, at Havelina 100. I claim I wasn't hallucinating. She says I was, but whatever. Um, did you guys have any weird 
exchanges with that? Because I know when things get really hot, I mean, things get, Mm -hmm. you just start seeing things or whatever. I mean, did you guys experience that at all? It's just a fun, those are some fun stories. I've I've had, uh, I can't. Yeah, I mean, on that particular um, run, I don't remember any specifics, but I've had certainly a lot of very vivid hallucinations, um, mostly at Badwater. Um, You know, one time I had a hallucination uh, walk across the road. I saw an old minor 49er um, coming across the road in the middle of the night. I mean, and he was very vivid. He had a gray beard and these overalls on, and he was, you know, he was haggard looking, and he held out a gold pan, and he said to me, Water! water i need water <laughs> and i i kind of aspirated my handheld water bottle in this gold pan and when i heard the water splashing on the on the asphalt i'm like oh man i reached out my hand and just waved it right through this hallucination so i've seen that i've seen dinosaurs off in the distance <laughs> and you know obviously the, the the one that i always see are snake eyes like a car that looks like snake mm. eyes you know two inches from your face and it's actually a vehicle like 15 miles down the road somewhere. Michelle, you probably had that happen at Badwater. Um, I, I've just kind of had like rocks turn into like little animals or something, but I'm always kind of aware that, you know, like images, even at Sinister, like I was like, wow, like this is a bear over here on the left. And then you get up to it and it's like a log in a weird shape, <laughs> but I wasn't really like hallucinating. Yeah. That sounds like you were hallucinating to me. No, Will, stop it. I never have. See, it's awesome to hear that that minor story because I I read that and I was like, was that a hallucination or did you see a ghost out there? Because odds are there were probably some miners that didn't make it in that section. So I I can recall reading that and like kind of, hmm. I, I like the open interpretation potentially there. Um, but yeah, it, was, it seems like it was know. a hallucination to you or? Well, you know, someone else said the same thing. They said it was probably a ghost. And I kind of I kind of just discounted it as a joke when they said it. But now that you're saying it, mm-hmm. <laughs> Michelle says you never know. You really do never know because um, what you're saying is, is right. accurate. I mean, the people, miners did die out there and who knows. And they probably were holding their pans out for water. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, Michelle, what was, um, what, what's like a story from Pacing Dean that, that maybe no okay, one's heard? Okay, I'll tell that's you a few. Maybe like a, you know, a, little, a gold nugget for us. A gold nugget? Okay. One time, Dean was, uh, well, we both were signed up for the inaugural Catalina Island Trail Marathon. And so Dean had an ingenious idea to, of course, like make this into a cool, epic adventure. So he started a run at Solana Beach, which is the headquarters of the competitor magazine. Um, and, and so he wanted to run all the way up to Long Beach, take a kayak over to Catalina, and then run the marathon. And so he started up, and I live in Laguna Niguel, which is kind of a uh, close to like Dana Point area and Laguna Beach. So I just kind of met Carno on the road along where he was running up PCH. And it was really epic. Like we had a lot of friends joining us just on this run. Um, It went into the night. We stopped at like random Starbucks and 7-Elevens and Carno's father was crewing us 
he had like a you know the the mothership if anyone doesn't know back in the day like when Dean ran Badwater he had the mothership which is just like a huge kind of RV and had um, his family kind of crewing him and all that and um, so then he kayaked with was it Robin Benacasa over to Catalina yep. Yep. Island and then ran the marathon and um, that that was really really fun to just kind of like I ran like about 40 miles with Dean and then the next day like ran the marathon <laughs> and uh, I don't know how he does all this stuff just nonstop. But he uh, makes it really fun. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that, uh, the eight-hour paddle, after running, I think it was like ended up being like 90 or 95 miles from uh, yeah. from where I started to where I got in the kayak in Long Beach. Eight hours sitting down in a kayak <laughs> after running that far <laughs> was no fun. Uh, yeah, that was no fun at all. really brutal. You know, and you, you know the, other, the thing that was so ironic is um, you probably took a, a, a boat over there, Michelle, I imagine, to the start a ferry. Yeah, and I think that's and, the, the only um, reason why I beat you at the race is because you <laughs> kayak, and that's the only time I beat you at a race because you, like, beat yourself up kayaking and running, like, 100 miles to the start. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the guy from Competitor, Bob Babbitt, the guy who was running Competitor Magazine, um, where I started, because yeah. he's the one who kind of said you ought to start at, at right at my magazine. We'll do an article on this. He gets seasick, so he took a helicopter and I'll never forget, he saw me paddling, and he started circling around <clears throat> in the helicopter, and I was starving. I'd completely run out of food, so I'm pointing my fingers towards my mouth, like, you know, something, something, and I see him, like, the helicopter has this little window, you know, this little square window, and I see him kind of stick something out the side of this window, and it falls in the water, like, 10 feet from me, and I paddle over to it real quick to fetch it up, and it was a sugar donut. He was eating sugar donuts, those little mini sugar donuts. <laughs> and I tried to eat this thing, but it, it was like a sponge at that point. It already absorbed so much Soggy. salt water, I couldn't eat it. It's like dropping them in a trail for you to try to <laughs> coax you forward. That's funny. Um, and so, Dean, not to totally like shift gears, but what, like, what's a typical week for you? Because it sounds like Michelle's amazed, and she, she logs good miles on on both foot and on her bike i mean what's what's a typical week like for you are you running every single day and is is it a long distance or do you have some some rest days built in well i mean i'm i'm basically chasing michelle i mean when i see her training um, (laughs) i'm thinking i'm freaking a slacker yeah um you know she does she like me does a lot of different types of training besides just running yeah. And, you know, I will yeah. run seven days a week if I can, but typically because of my travel schedule, I can't. But along mm-hmm. with running, um, you know, I do a lot of things like I do Bikram yoga, which um, Michelle goes into a sauna. Um, she does more altitude training than me with a mask, mm-hmm. uh, which I think mm-hmm. is terrific. I just don't have that facility nearby. Um, but mm-hmm. I also do a lot of uh, cross training, CrossFit. Uh, I do a lot of um, cycling, but I, I ride this thing called an elliptigo, so it's a stand-up bike. I'm, I'm kind of allergic to sitting down. So, like, even right now, I'm, I'm standing <laughs> up at this interview, and I do, you know, all my writing, everything at a stand-up desk. And I have this um, this HIT training program, you know, this high-intensity interval training program I do. It's just body weight. Yeah. So it's push-ups, pull-ups, mm-hmm. um, chair dips, uh, sit-ups, burpees. It's about, um, it's about a 12- to 15-minute routine. 
that really kicks my, my heart rate into high gear. So I'm pretty much anaerobic the whole time. And I cycle through those throughout the course of the day. Like I did one, a set this morning after I hang up. Uh, I'll do another set like that. And, again, it's, it's just 12 to 15 minutes, but it's super intense. And then today I'm probably going to go on a it's, – it's really hot here, so I'll probably go on a 15-mile run around 2 p.m. I like, I like training in the heat, mm-hmm. which is kind of poor, mm-hmm. poor man's altitude is the heat training. So nice. um, I'll go running um, in the middle of the day a lot. Um, you know, this weekend, uh, what am I doing? You know, a lot of times I'll just – on a weekend, if it's going to be nice weather, um, I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, take off on Friday night, like at, I don't know, 7 or 8 o'clock, kind of when the sun's going down, with a hydration pack and a headlamp, you know, my credit card and a phone, and I might go run, you know, 80 or 90 miles um, all night and just kind of do what we did, Michelle, when we when I ran up yeah. to uh, Long Beach. I'll just stop at 7-Elevens or, you know, get a latte if I feel like a latte, but I'll just run, like, up to Napa Great. Valley and back. And so it's just kind of a... Come as you go, run. It's I call it a runabout. You know, if I feel like running hard, I'll run hard for an hour. If I feel like jogging, I'll just slowly jog. Um, you know, if I feel like putting in a an audio book and listening to a book for a while, I'll listen to a book. But I just kind of I love doing things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that hit workout routine and the North Face. That's a that's a layup. Fifteen minute YouTube video that I think would probably get a million hits. Um, <laughs> Just seeing your routine there, that's that's really cool. And um, just while we're on the topic, I mean, my dad and I were talking, and, and he's 65, and he's training for his first marathon. And we were wondering, just talking in the car, because we were just both in Leadville together, um, how's your running changed? Because I, I remember distinctly, you know, in your book, your age, your 30th birthday party, you know, you're at the bar and you take off. Mm-hmm. Um How's your running changed over the years, and how have you successfully, you know, altered your training over the years so that you could run Western States this year? I know it wasn't, you know, you weren't as excited about your results there, but to show up at the start line, you know, having run for, how many years have you been running now? I'm trying to recall. Yeah, well, that was my 20, 24th year um, since the mm-hmm. first 24th. Western States I did. Yeah, okay. so it's been 24 years since my first 100-miler. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Western States for me wasn't a great um, race this year, but I, I you know, I, I almost feel um, arrogant saying that because, uh, you know, a lot of people would, would love to finish Western States before the cutoff. You know, I mean, 27 hours to me right. is much, much longer than I was anticipating. And it, excuse me, guys. And it was definitely my longest Western yeah. States ever by a long shot. But it's still mm-hmm. finishing Western states, and that you know, I I want to keep that in perspective. I mean, that to to most people, that's just an incredible accomplishment. Um, you know, I only had 10 days' notice that I got into the event, but that said, I was fairly well trained. So I, I don't know what went wrong there, but something went horribly wrong. But um, you know, how have I changed uh, over time? Well, the you know, the one lucky thing for me, and I'll knock on um, wood on the side of my head, I've never had an injury. So I've never had a stop for an injury, which I think has been a blessing in a lot of ways. Um, the, you know, the, the other thing that I've noticed is just naturally um, my, my speed just goes out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the first year I ran Western States, it just blows my mind. I mean, it was 24 yeah. years ago, so I was a younger man. But, I mean, I was so naive. My longest training run was 30 miles. Uh, I didn't do any sort of hill work. I didn't do any quality training. Um, and I finished Western States in 21 hours. I mean, I came in 15th place, 
with, with nothing. And I'm like, how did I pull that off? Um, the younger Dean was uh, naturally just faster. And, um, you know, my leg speed has never been great, but now it's, <laughs> it's even worse. And I was hey, saying, Carl, that's, you know, I'm why <laughs> why I admire Michelle. So you're not in the same boat. I mean, you go out and crush 50 milers. You crush 50K races. So you've still got a lot of speed where my speed is gone. My ability to just grunt out long races is definitely improved. So, I mean, I can get to the finish line like I did at Western States. I mean, I think that was just – I can't imagine going slower at Western States. And I just grunted it out, you know, for 70 miles. Just put my head down and said, this is going to be a slog of 70 miles, but you're going to get to that darn finish line. So I'm, I'm better at doing that. I, I respect that a lot. I pulled up your ultra sign up, and I was – my jaw dropped when I saw one single DNF. One single DNF after, like, 24 years of racing. I was just like, uh, that's... And, of course, there's probably one or two that aren't, you know, on that actual website. But, I mean, you can tough it out. That's, like, super impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think the only time I'll... Yeah, I I think, I mean, like you, Michelle, I mean, I've never never been timed Mm -hmm. out. So I've never, you know, been pulled because of a sweep. But if I feel like I'm going to... I'm doing some sort of bodily injury... I mean, I've, there's been a handful of races where I've DNF'd, and all of them have been, you know, like, okay, I'm going to injure myself if I keep going. Like, this is dumb. You're going to end mm-hmm. up in the hospital. Uh, stop. But other than that, I mean, it's right, like, been very – yeah. What was that, Michelle? Was it one time because of, like, it was like peeing blood or something? Like, that's happened to me, too. But, like, if you're going to really injure yourself, you you got to pull it. That happened one time, and it was one and done, thankfully. Yeah. And um, I'm yep. glad I stopped because if I hadn't stopped, maybe it would have been a reoccurring thing. But it was, yeah, it was a bad race. And as soon as that started happening, I thought, okay, that, I've never seen that before. I know that's not a good sign. <laughs> Peeing blood yeah. is not good. You better stop. Yeah, I've been fortunate not to have right. that, that happen yet. And I think that would qualify as a, a good, good time to, uh, yeah, seek some medical advice for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to think about, have you guys done any other adventures together? Yeah. Um, one time this was super awesome. A great surprise. I was working at Fleet Feet Sports. I got off work and I was just driving to go pick up my daughter. I think she was in kindergarten or first grade at the time. And I see Carno running up the road and granted, like Carno's brother lives where I live, like his parents live close to kind of where I live. And he's just running and he was doing this run. Did you start in San Francisco? It was mission (laughs) run, like from mission to mission to mission to mission. And people were like so excited. They would stop on the side and hand him cookies and pizza and like all all that kind of cheesecake and all kinds. And he's like, oh my gosh, like I can't refuse it. Uh, Michelle, do you want some cookies? (laughs) Basically, I'm like, I was like, I just like made a sharp right turn into this um, shopping center. I'm like, let's run. And so I think I called my mom, like, can you pick up my daughter? I'm going to run with Carno right now. Like we didn't really plan it, but I kind of knew he was on this run for, and I don't know, how long did that take you run from San Francisco down to San Juan Capistrano? Yeah, I think it was, I think that was a 12 day run. And I, you're right. I I wanted to, um, you know, in California, there are the California missions that are kind of spaced um, one horse day's ride apart. 
that was how they, you know, the, the old um, travelers in California used to make their way up and down the state, is using these missions. It's kind of aid stations, sleepover aid stations. So I wanted to run from the, the furthest, most northern um, mission, which is, you're right, it's in Sonoma, all the way down to San Diego. And there's a mission in San Juan Capistrano, which is by where Michelle lives. And like I said, yeah. when we started this interview, she's very bad at saying no. <laughs> she drives, I mean, who just drives by a guy running on the side of the road, pulls her car over and says, okay, I'm jumps out and says, I'm running. <laughs> and yeah. she starts running. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm always ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And then your parents were there. Like, I love that you always incorporate your family. Like, you're so close to your mom and dad and your family. So, yeah, no, they that. they uh, they fun. crewed for me in the mothership, so they had their motor home, and that we spent the night in that. And um, my mom is a retired um, middle school teacher, as you know, Michelle. So um, yeah. we did. We basically there was class. There was um, middle school um, students following the adventure, and we'd post something every night about the missions. They were doing lessons on on the various California missions. Oh, nice! Right. That's interesting. And so. Yeah, and the, the whole thing was conceived originally. My brother told me, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, the missions are they're spread one, day, um, one day's walk uh, apart from each other. That's how people made their way up and down the state. They used these missions as outposts. Well, he said yeah. one day's walk. It wasn't one day's walk. It was one day's horse ride. I'm like, Craig, <laughs> there's a difference between walking between the missions and riding a horse. The distance is a little different. <laughs> so some of them are really spread out. Right. That's fascinating. And so, Dean, what, what good stories do you have on Michelle? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hear some good ones from both of you here. That she just never stopped. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Michelle, every time I, yeah, I talk to you, you're on some wild adventure, literally. And she's like, oh, Carno, we need to race. Um, we need to get together yeah. this year at some point. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, yeah. send me your schedule, and I'll see if there's any way I can be she sends me her schedule like every single weekend she's at some crazy race mostly in Canada I'm I know like, I does know. she ever slow down Canada, eh? <laughs> hey? well, are you ever going to run like Sinister 7 eh? <laughs> hey? uh, the Canadian death race almost killed me so I think I'll leave it there <laughs> well it almost killed you but you happened to like win or get second or something <laughs> I right? was just trying to get to the finish line for that beer eh <laughs> he was suffering the fastest eh <laughs> That's funny. I mean, Michelle. Can I tell you another adventure, Rob? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, there was another time Carno had a crazy idea to run across the country, <laughs> and so he started at Disneyland, and this also was to benefit his uh, charity, Carno Kids. So he was like um, running from west to east. He was um, ending this run at the studios of the Kelly and Regis show in New York City. How epic is that? And he would run and, like, stop and give talks at elementary schools and everything. So I ran with him from the start at Disneyland. There was all the characters <laughs> cheering on Carno, and then he just ran 3,000 miles. And how long did that take? <laughs> like, I, I, I forgot about that whole story, and now I'm re reflecting. That was, so it was 75 days to get from, um, from uh, Disneyland to uh, New York City, but... That start, yeah. Michelle, was that mind blowing? I mean, here we are. It's they closed yeah. down Disneyland. It's like the more, and we're the only people there. A bunch of us runners. Yes. And they have like, yes. yeah. Remember this confetti and the the Goodyear blimp yes. flew over overhead. I'm like, this is why. I mean, you get a TV <laughs> program know. like you know Regis and Kelly behind you, and there's some 
serious resources. Oh. I know. You had Snow White and the Little Mermaid cheering your name and everything yes. trying to run with you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a crazy morning. But it's cool because you're always incorporating people. Like even when you did your Endurance 50, 50 states, 50 marathons, 50 days, anyone could sign up and run the marathon with you. And so you make their life and dreams come true. Like that's cool. You're not just like shutting people out. You're like, come on, join me. It's not like some secret thing that you're just like running and you don't want anyone to know where you are. Like you always take time with people. And um, I know that's not easy to do. When you're like running that far <laughs> no it's not and it, but it, it's enjoyable and michelle i mean like you yeah. you know run it we're kindred spirits and i mean you i know you by nature are very introverted and i am as well um so yeah. being in front of a crowd is it doesn't come naturally but um mm -hmm. you kind of inspire i mean people's stories inspire me i mean you said i inspired a lot of people uh to come run a marathon with me well those people in turn uh inspired me to be a better dean. I mean, some of the stories I hear from other runners are just phenomenal, as you have as well. Right. Right. Well, you said, like, at Western States, people were stopping you and having them, <laughs> like, sign their body and sign, take selfies oh, and all kinds of things, and you, ne and you never refuse. Like, that just shows what kind of person you are, because, like, even if you're hurting, you still, like, put on a smile, and you said, like, the pictures that people took of you, like, you look great, but, like, yeah, even though it was one of your toughest, I don't know, was that your toughest 100-miler, in your opinion? Or one of the toughest races? I mean, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not, it wasn't the toughest course. I mean, Western States is not the yeah. toughest course I've run, but as far as suffering the most during a 100-miler, I think that was, yeah. yeah, that was definitely the worst. You think right. definitely your, more your suffering. But yeah. Did your 100K, um, what was it, two weeks before? Or a week before? The Bishop? you? Yeah, I, you never know. I mean, maybe that was too much to take on. But, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where all of a sudden I, I get into Western States. I'm like, wow, do I, do I have the base to run 100 miles now at Western States? So, you right. you know, go test yourself. <laughs> maybe it's a dumb thing to do. But but I don't well, know. But that I mean, race is you know, hard. Yeah, it's very exposed, that race, too. There's no, there's no shade. Um, it's hot. Mm -hmm. Altitude. It's, yeah, it's very dry. And, you know, the other thing with that race is um, there's a junction very close to the finish line where you either make a right-hand turn and you run a mile to the finish line and you complete 50 miles, or you make a left-hand turn and you go out and you run another 12 miles for the 100K. And you have the option to downshift when you get to that last aid station. And so totally. many people that were signed up for the 100K got to that last aid station and said, you know what, I'm kind of good with the 50-miler. And it was so tempting when I got to that right. aid station. Like, do I make a right or a left? And, you know, I'm not very good with direction, so I made a left. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and Dean, tell me more about Carno Kids because, I mean, I've, I've heard of it, but you don't talk about it much, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, are, you, are you still, like, really active um, with that charity? Yeah, I am. And, you know, I have to explain that um, Carnal Kids, you know, it's, it's more of a foundation. So we, you know, when we collect funds, we, um, we don't actually administer any running programs. Um, you know, we have with the North Face race that I started with, the Endurance Challenge races, um, which I founded. And it's a series of trail races across the country. We have six of them. And we have a Carnal Kids race um, at each of those, both on, it's a two-day running 
festival. So both on Saturday and Sunday, we have the Carnival Kids 1K. But that's the only sort of race we do. Um, other than that, um, we sponsor organizations that support our mission. Like there's a great organization called Girls on the Run, which you guys might have mm-hmm. heard of. It you know targets um, yeah. inner city kind of at-risk youth girls and teaches them camaraderie and self-esteem and achievement through running. It's a great program. So we fund them. There's a uh, program called Kids on Trails that takes kids out to a trail for a day. It takes them out. They get a, a nice, healthy lunch um, from Whole Foods, and they get to hike on a trail. And a lot of these kids have never seen a trail before. They don't even know what a trail is. You know, a lot of, a lot of the kids, their geographical footprint is only a mile from their actual house. And they might be, you know, 10, 11 years old. So we support programs that, you know, that foster our mission of um, making youth and kids more active and awesome. um, restoring and uh, preserving the outdoors. That's great. I, I was literally just talking to someone about how uh, a program like that would be successful, and I didn't even I didn't know that one existed. Um, I know you like to kind of you've you kind of pioneered running diplomacy. Is that fair to say, or, or where'd you come up with that idea? Well, you know, I, I would be a, I, I, I would be disingenuous if I said that it was me. I was actually running the um, the San Francisco Marathon one year, and a guy ran up next to me and he's like, "Hey, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. I read your book, and um, it, it was it changed my life. And I read the book in, in when I was based in Kazakhstan, or no Kyrgyzstan. I'm like, hold it, where's Kyrgyzstan? He's like, well, I'm, I work for the uh, U.S. Department of State." And I worked at the embassy in Kyrgyzstan. And he's like, you know, I had this idea. It was just kind of dreaming that you became a sports ambassador. And we can send you on a sports diplomacy envoy to um, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan because uh, we're we're now celebrating 25 years of um, diplomatic relations with those countries. And that would be just a great way to, uh, to, to mark that occasion. And, you know, here I am listening to this guy, you know, as we're running together. And he's, he's kind of, Will's kind of wacky looking. He's got hair flying everywhere. And I'm thinking, this guy's lost his marbles. I don't, <laughs> even, you know, I don't even know where these countries are. I mean, I've heard of these countries. But lo and behold, he followed up with me. And then the State Department followed up with me. And I ran um, 525 kilometers along the ancient Silk Road between those three countries. And it was a diplomatic mission. So yeah. I stopped along the way. I ran with thousands of people of all walks of life. Uh, and then I just recently was in um, South America and Peru for the same on a sports diplomacy mission. Uh, the and be, these envoys are incredible. Yeah. Uh, be honest. Have you, have you been on Google Maps and looked from country to country and how many miles it is? Like what's what's the wildest <laughs> country you've looked at? Because I know you you've been on Google Maps, and you've been looking at routes, right? And and trying to figure out mileage. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, the you know Uzbek Uzbekistan is so exotic, and I mean I think literally it, it's opened up now. But I think before I went there, there'd only been like ten Americans allowed in the country that weren't diplomats. So oh, it's unex it's it's incredibly exotic. Kyrgyzstan is. I mean, there's a lake there that looks like Lake Tahoe. It's even prettier, and there's just there's no one there. It's the water's uh-huh. crystal clear, and, and and the streams are filled with huge brown trout. 
you know, and it's just, it's just abundance of wildlife in kind of its raw state. And there's just no people there. And it was, it was amazing to see that places like that still exist on this earth. Sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, there was play. I mean, it was, it was a, it, you know, it's hard to encapsulate everything I saw and experienced in, in those 10 days of running. But, um, yeah. wild, wild country. And, you know, like I said, how many people have ever been to Uzbekistan? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, what motivates you, both of you guys? I mean, you guys, between the two of you, have more medals and belts and all kinds of, I'm sure, shoeboxes full of, you know, race results that um, have gone well. What motivates you to train? I mean, I know you probably don't even look at it as training for the most part. Um, but what motivates you to work so hard? You know, you're not going out to win races per se. I mean, what, what's the driving force behind your guys running and training right now? Why don't you start, Michelle? Well, I want to hear this. Sure. <laughs> I... I mean, like, basically, I just am in love with mountains and outdoors ever since my dad was taking me as a young child to Yosemite every summer for week-long backpacking trips. And I don't see it as training, like you said. I don't see it as work. I just see, like, I would be dead. Like Carno said, you know, you, you feel most alive when you're out there running. I'm happiest when I'm out there running. Like, that's what where I find joy in life and like how Carno says there's magic and mis misery well yeah I experienced that a little bit this weekend at Sinister 7 but that didn't like knock me down or out I'm coming back like I'm I I love just experiencing new things and pushing my body like it's okay it, it's okay to fail like you're going to and that's good cuz I mean you're going to learn something from that failure like races that I have won Sometimes it did really come easy. I didn't learn anything. I don't have a lot of memories from those races that I yes. won. I have the most memories of the races where I was ripped apart, you know, just like how did I um, just manage to pull it together and finish or maybe not finish and then go back the next year and finish. Because I've done that a few times where I've actually DNF'd, like my first attempt at Havelina, I totally DNF'd at like mile 77. That's always a hard mile area. And then next year I said, screw this. Like I'm, I'm just going to like commit and, and win. And I won it. And I was fourth overall. And I've done that at a few races, like one where I peed blood. And then the next year came back and won it and broke course record. But I just like to challenge myself. I like to be out in nature and mountains and it's just so fun. How about so, you, Dean? Yeah, no, I, I, that that dynamic is definitely the same with me. Not not so much the the winning and, and crushing races, but the the spirit of adventure um, that Michelle um, yeah. just articulated, um, be it on the race course or or elsewhere. Um, that's one dynamic. I think for me, it's a little more complex when I really when I really dissect like what is it that motivates me. So there's that going on. Um, you know, there's also, to me, the, the sense of responsibility as a family man because I'm the sole breadwinner in our house. And that's kind of a big burden on my shoulders to, you know, keep keep producing. I got two kids in college. I have bills to pay, yeah. and I don't want to be irresponsible as a father. So, you know, to me, I have a, um, a, a, a responsibility to my family and, therefore, to my sponsors to to bring them as much value as I can. 
because you know they're they're the ones who are supporting me and putting bread on the table and I can't let myself go I can't stop competing you know I can't just relax for a year um, they you know require me to be doing a lot of uh, things like that I'm doing so there's that going on and then you know more recently um, like this Western States experience we touched on you'd have to shadow me during a race it's 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 incredible. I mean, I can't go to races without people like recognizing me and, you know, like wanting to take selfies. Western States, people had brought copies of my book to aid stations because they knew I was running and they were tracking on me Gosh. and they were waiting for me to sign their book, which is, it's, I mean, I, at first I'm like, this is kind of weird. You know, people have magazines they want me to sign, this and that. And, you know, I'm running a race <laughs> and here I've got like a line of people that want me to do a book signing at an aid station. But, you know, it, 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 the more I reflect on it, I think I owe it to these people. Uh, I don't know what I've done, but something has, like, touched something in them. Uh, I think it's because it's, you know, they say, oh, I love your story, but it's, it's really not my story. It's our story. Like, people that read my books, I think they're drawn to it because they've experienced the same emotions and the same feelings that I've just expressed in writing. So I, I feel like I almost, it's, I owe it to them. I should be there. And so many people say, God, it's just great to see you out here. You know, volunteers say that to me. You know, fans say that to me. And so I'm like, you know what, I owe it to these people. i got to keep being out there. It would be unfair and kind of selfish for me to just withdraw and go away. I mean, somehow I've kind of given these, permission, these people permission to, to live a more fuller life. And, you know, go say hi. Go take a picture. Go sign a book. That, this is good for everyone. So that's another dynamic uh, nice. as far as, you know, my running career. That's amazing. I mean, the fact that, because that's a, a complex, like, interaction of, of kind of, like, motivational factors. And, I mean, if you set all that aside, would you run daily? Like, if you were Joe Schmo, no one knew who you were, you know, starting today, would you, how how far would you go out on the trails? And would you do it every day or... I mean, would you still be doing your hit routine, or what would what would like the true Dean be doing if if no one noticed what was going on and you were flying under the radar? You know that that's a really good question, and, and I've never thought about it until you were actually saying you know asking that question. And I got to be honest, I wouldn't be doing anything differently. <laughs> that's awesome it's, it's in my nature I don't think Michelle would be doing anything differently either I think it's it's in my nature right. just to be fit like I want to be fit I want to go out and actually experience pain every day which is it's unusual right I mean we, most people try to avoid pain but a lot of us runners like we like that conflicted sort of um, you know reality of experiencing pain so that we're actually in a higher state of you know kind of non-pain when we're not experiencing the pain if that makes sense. I mean, we run in a way to, you know, escape reality, but um, we also get closer to reality. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, my, yeah, my, you uh, always said, like, people are... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Michelle. Well, Carno said, like, nowadays people are so comfortable, you know, and, and it's They're just, miserable. like, it's kind of... You, you, there you go. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean... Well, I mean, and you know, I'm I'm, 100%, I'm Greek, so you know, there's this there's this this Greek ideal called the arete, which a lot of people have heard of. It's it's kind of the alignment of 
of you know mind, spirit, and body. And I think that, um, especially in the U.S., there is a, a huge imbalance there, uh, specifically with our bodies. I mean, the statistics are insane. Something like you know, 60 percent, a third, two thirds of the population is either overweight or obese. And let's face it, if you don't have your health, if you don't have your body in good physical condition, you can't be your fullest. I mean, you can't think your clearest. Yep. Um, you can't be as you can't be anything. I mean, your body matters. And so many people have just completely neglected their body as though, you know, I don't have time to exercise. <laughs> it, it should be the other way around. Like, you don't have time to go to work. Like, exercise should be as big a priority as anything else because that's your quality of life. I mean, that's who you are as an individual. And to let, you know, to let your body go is, is letting basically everything go, I think. I, I couldn't agree, I agree more. Yeah. I was, I was just going to throw in this weekend I discovered – suffering in flow which i've never I've, I've always associated flow as this like higher state um of almost like bliss for me and i didn't know what it was called i i just called it ultra and so all my training has been training for ultra which honestly just ties right into what you're saying about kind of like the spiritual side of things once you get physically in shape um but yeah, I had I had the pleasant experience of ten miles in suffer flow over the weekend, which that was pretty unique. I haven't suffered in flow like it was just wait. And then afterwards, I talked to um, Michael Owen, a, a pretty good runner, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. So maybe this is a a, a good progression for me. But um, do you guys experience that at all? <laughs> I don't know about you, Michelle, but I <laughs> I've been there many times. <laughs> and when you, I, I've never I've never heard that term. Suffering in the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Suffer, I've never heard the term suffer flow the two put together, but um, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying and can relate entirely to what you're saying. How did your legs feel? Were they a little heavy? Uh, it, actually, I was removed from the physical. It was more uh-huh. just like suffering. I I don't even know how to describe it. Just fatigue overall. Um, and I was able to put my body in autopilot and this was at like 11,000 feet. So the altitude was probably getting to me a little bit. I was probably bonking, you know, not having eaten much because it was just coming off a 12,000 foot peak. And I just literally was able to put it in autopilot and suffer, but then also kind of be in this weird kind of meditative flow state. So it was like kind of out of this world. Um, but it got it got it done, so that's yeah. You know, I was happy to finish. Well, that's how you feel right before you die. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about that. Like I'm out there in that suffer flow state, and my mind is just, I'm like I I'll be there for an hour, and all of a sudden I'll tune into like, hold it, I'm a human running <laughs> down a trail or down a road, like that somehow disappeared for the past hour. <laughs> it, is you know, is this a good thing? Is this like an out-of-body experience? But, um, you know, in being in suffer flow for 10 miles is, is one thing. You know, being in suffer mm-hmm. flow for 50 or 60 miles is, is something. It yeah. takes it to a whole new level. Yeah. I came quickly out of it because I was like, man, I, I didn't miss a single footstep this whole race. And then I'm like two miles from the finish line. Of course, clip a big rock right as like, you know, 30 seconds later and, then I, I pretty much got pulled out of it, so it wasn't the full 10, but 
that's interesting. Um, and I, I appreciate your guys' time, truly, and I enjoyed this conversation. I want to finish with one last story that you guys have that no one's heard. Is there one kind of memory that you guys have that maybe the listener or no one's ever really heard of? Was there some kind of bad water situation? Or I, I don't know where it would have been, but you guys have been friends for years. I remember Carno was just like walking up um, after Panamint Springs and like our crew was just giving him like, what did we have? French fries and pizza and nachos, like everything. Like at Badwater, it's weird. Like you feel your energy drop like so fast there. But like for some reason, like there was a stretch. Carno, you didn't like want to eat anything for like, and he was fine. Like it was probably 30 miles or 20, maybe a marathon. And, and uh, we were like, hmm, he should be eating, but he's not, and he's doing fine. And you always have, like, different kind of elixirs that you kind of put together to drink and stuff, like random things that you wouldn't think to put together, like emergency what? or rock stars <laughs> and different things. Yeah, no, uh, what was it? It's a monster, emergency, and insurer. <laughs> yes. That's, that'll get you somewhere. And that's... <laughs> yeah. That was uh, you know, also I've recently, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but what I've recently discovered is I've been drinking pickle juice for years, and I recently yeah. discovered pep- pepperoncini juice works a lot better. It's, it doesn't yeah. have that aftertaste. It's like got a cleaner finish, and you don't have that pickle aftertaste. So I've been hitting on pepperoncini juice. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll never forget one time I, when I was running across America. So, Michelle, I, I left you um, in L.A., and I don't know, maybe 65 days later, I'm in... Um, Ohio, of all places, Southern Ohio, and it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a rural area I'm running through, and um, you know, it's kind of pastoral area, and I'm running by this one house, and I notice this old lady um, in a rocking chair sitting out in front on her porch, like having an iced tea, and she sees me, she says, oh, Sonny, um, can you come up here? Oh, I just want to meet you. I'm like, that's so wild. How did, I mean, she must have been watching television because I was on the Live with Regis and Kelly show every day. And I'm yeah. like, okay, she probably watches morning TV. So I kind of run up to her balcony, and, and she says, oh, you know, put your head down here right next to mine. And I'm thinking, this sweet old lady, she come, maybe just wants to rub chin, you know, rub cheeks <laughs> together or something. So I put my head down next to her. She whips out this iPhone. She takes a selfie. She's like, oh, I'm going to post this on Facebook, and my friends are going to be so jealous. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> only in social media days would something like this happen. Yeah. That's, so I that's took crazy. the selfie, posted it on Facebook. I, you know, I'm like, okay, i got to keep running. That's, that's hilarious. It's, um, that's <laughs> I a never good heard one. that one. That's can you tell us quickly about the Road to Sparta documentary? Oh, yes. I, uh, I have a, a new one. movie out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy, well, I'll, I'll digress by saying that uh, I ran this, this race called the Spartathlon. So this is a 153-mile race in Greece. It's a brutal race. Michelle, you got to do this race one year. It's amazing. But, okay, I'm in. Uh, I'm in, too. Like a week or so before, this this. <laughs> Yeah, you're in. <laughs> let's do it. I'm let's doing do it again guys. this year. But, um, yeah, let's do it as a team because it really takes a team to get through that race. But uh, a week before the race, I get a, like a, an email from this, this guy who says he's, you know, he's going to make a film about um, the Spartathlon. And I said, are you a filmmaker? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, not really, but I, 
you know, I used to live in Athens, and I'm like, where do you live now? He's like, well, I'm from the UK, um, and I want to, I want to like highlight four four runners, and I want you to be one of them. And I'm like, okay, this guy's weird. Um, you know, I'm like, yeah, dude, sure, you know, you, yeah, I'll do an interview with you, kind of thing. So he filmed um, me during the Spartathlon, as well as these three other runners, and he interviewed me along the way. And I kind of kept him at arm's distance because I thought, I'm not sure if this guy's legit. I don't know if it's a home video, what he's doing. And <laughs> lo and behold, you know, six months, eight months later, he's like, oh, so we got the first, kind of got the first draft um, done. You want to take a look at it? I'm like, oh, okay, Barney, you know, send me the first draft. Oh, my God. I got the chills. I mean, this guy did such a phenomenal job with this film. I was just, wow. I, I'm like, why didn't I give this guy more of my time? And he cut an original soundtrack. He's also a recording artist. Michelle, wait till you hear the soundtrack. There's no, there's no vocals. Can it's I all hear it now? That's awesome. I, yeah. I guess you can... It is just... It's haunting. And it's so applicable to the scenery. Anyway, I was just blown away by this, this documentary. And I'm like, I'm, now I'm really proud of this thing. And it's, he's starting to show it at film festivals and however you, you, know, you, you launch films. But it's a really, really moving film. That's awesome. And I, I, there's, I'm there's, excited to check there's that spoilers, out. Spoilers, and I won't I won't tell you the spoilers, but it's it's pretty compelling and it's pretty dramatic. Very cool. I was I was actually on yeah. a ski lift at Sundance, and I randomly came across like some someone in the film industry, and I swear to you, I I pitched Ultra Marathon Man as a a big Hollywood film, but uh, I didn't get much traction. I don't think I don't think I pitched it well <laughs> for you, man. I'm I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> But if you can sell a million copies of the book, I think the movie would probably have 10 million views. So, um, agree. Oh, that, that'd be an interesting project. And I can't yeah, tell that you, would be... Like, so many people have said that book, that book, that's what got me to run in ultras. And I mean, like, I hear it all the time. Yeah. I, I I'm am so that glad way. these people still like me. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I can't thank you enough for writing that first book and sticking your neck out there. I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision to, to go for it, but it truly has uh, made a huge impact on my life, and I I truly appreciate it, Dean. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, and I think the reason that that book worked is because it, it, it I had no pre- – I mean, I, I just wanted to write a book. It's kind of like something to do in my lifetime. Just, you know, you want to try skydiving once, you know, you want to eat sushi – you want to write a book, so I had. Yep. I just thought, okay, just write the book, just tell an honest story. I never thought I'd sell a single copy. Like I never went into the, you know, started with the intention of, hey, I'm going to sell a million copies of this book. Let's write a book that'll sell a million copies. I just said, just write an honest story, and and you you, you kind of check that off your life list, and you wrote a book and be done with it. Cool. And it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Dean, so, thank thank are you. Are we going to have another book in the future? <laughs> I could tell you, but I'd have to kill all the audience. Yeah, we, yeah already, of course. Want, yeah, I mean, I'm all, always writing, and yeah, I've got another one. My my publisher says don't tell anyone, but I've got something in the works. Yeah, I hope I hope states okay, what's, states what's, is detailed in there and some other good ones. I'm sure, you have a ton of stories. Yeah, and runners and love stories. Of, I, I got a couple of them. Yeah, what's up, yeah, Michelle? A couple million. What's up? What what's next? I mean, I heard that you maybe want to do the Barkley. Like, what 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 would you like to do that you haven't done yet? Or it could you know, I, I want to start. I want to start doing more. I mean, I'd love to do. I mean, every runner has got to do. If you're legit 
ultra marathoner, you got to try Barclays, right? I mean, it's just you can't not try it. So, I mean, that's on the list. But to me, I, I really like these more these adventure runs in in yeah. foreign countries. Yeah, where it, they're not FKT, F, FKTs. I mean, you're not trying to break any records. You're just breaking you know new ground, if you will. And that adventure, right. that sort of spirit of adventure and diplomacy, I think is 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 really well needed in, in this world right now. I mean, I'm such a believer in sports diplomacy. It works, and running is the I think is the the purest form of sports diplomacy. I agree. It's it's really amazing. Um, and yeah, we we could definitely use more of it. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you have some awesome adventure coming up. And yeah, keep us posted. I'm I'm just very thankful for you taking all the time. And Michelle, we'll catch up with you on Sinister Seven. I want to hear more details on that. Um, I could sure I could sit here and talk all day with you guys and hear stories between the two of you. And yeah, just appreciate you guys taking the time. And and uh, yeah. Thank you for joining me on the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us Thank on. Thank you for having us. Now it's time for some hit training, guys. Oh. <laughs> Get after it. Okay. Hope, hope to <laughs> okay. run with you soon. And before we do a Sinister 7 and a Silver King race recap, I just want to thank Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't given them a shot yet, feel free to use my promo code 252888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. And I used a bunch of hammer gels and perpetuum and fizz throughout the day for Silver King. But let's hear the uh, two race recaps here with Michelle Barton and myself. Thanks. So I'm joined by Michelle Barton again. That was a cool conversation with Dean Carnassus. That's that's not your hey, every Rob, yeah. that's not your everyday conversation, right? That's pretty. That was pretty fun. I know it's always a treat to talk with Carno. I mean, maybe, special, even, maybe for you even it's like normal. After, <laughs> after we um, spoke with him, I, I remembered all these other times that, like, we ran together, like, Trans Rockies, and, you know, you were asking me funny stories, and, of course, I remembered most of them after we hung up, but that's okay. We got well, a lot of good stuff. We'll have to do it again with Dean. It's not like... We will. You, you know how my podcast goes. I don't. It's not just like a one-time talk with you and just never talk to you again. So, yeah, we'll we'll yeah, exactly. definitely we'll touch base with him again. So I want to hear about Sinister Seven. Yeah. My uh, my Canadian listeners, I truly appreciate them. Like there, there's quite a few of they them. They love you. Do they? I got stopped on the trail so many times. There was probably twelve guys that said, "Oh my gosh." I love Rob's podcast. Thank him for me. I love that he represents the middle of the pack, and we just love the show, and we love listening to you and him. That's and, awesome. Um, I was I was really stoked about that. I'm like, glad it's resonating. Cause, I didn't even know. Because, I mean, yeah. I, I am truly middle of the pack at best, and I think my, my Silver King, I, I took 15th, so there were 38 people that started, 31 finished, and I took 15th. If that's not, like, middle of the middle, I don't know what is. So, hey. And, yeah, but and that's... That was a good race for me, too. So, I'm middle of the pack at best. I, I mean... Middle of the pack is fine. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, as long as you finish. I, had I didn't finish Sinister, but hey! Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's hear about Sinister. What, what transpired there? 
because I know you were nervous going into the race. Oh, like we text back yeah, and forth, and and you well, were. It, it's all, your first hundred in what four years, five years. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So were, I ran Sinister Seven in 2014. I ran it with Mayo, my teammate, and we. Uh, ran together and finished in like 29 hours like that course that was my first time ever to canada and it was just like a total wake-up call like the terrain is nothing like what i run or race on in california it's ugly mean gnarly beautiful like that's when i fell in love with canada was that sinister seven but the climbs are beyond steep and just the technicality i don't train like that i'm not used to that whatever but um also like last year at sinister they had like a 15 percent finishers rate um a chick won it outright like there's, there's just really random stuff but like a lot of people that run sinister it could take them four years to finish because <laughs> number one the terrain number yeah. two is the cutoff like um 30 hours sounds like a lot. I've run hundreds in 19 hours. Mm-hmm. And this, there was nothing wrong. Like, I was having a great race. I had no problems. I had legs. Uh, my stomach was good. Like, everything was good. But I couldn't make the cutoff at the 140K mark um, so to make it to the last leg. Was that, like, so, 80, 85, 86 miles in? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. huge. And, that, and it's that's a like, lot at I that was, course. I was fine. I know. Um, I was signed up for the Sinister Triple, which consists of three races to get all your points for UTMB. So now I'm kind of back to square one, but I'm still going to run the other two races he has, the Canadian Death Race and Blackspur. So anyway, I was doing great until like legs five. And um, I just want to rewind, like there's no pacers allowed at Sinister 7. And I didn't have a crew either, although I did have friends that were running the relay race. And so they helped me out at a few spots. But, um, like, Sinister is just gnarly. It's the biggest race in Canada, the biggest ultra. It has, like, 1,500 runners. However, most of them are all relay runners on teams of seven. Um, They can be on teams of two or three or whatever, but... So, like, typically each person will run a leg, and the leg can be, like, 11K, 30K, like, any sort of distance. And so there's only, like, a 200 soloist, what they call. Yeah. And uh, so this year was actually, like, the highest or one of the highest finishers rates, <laughs> which is a bummer, but uh, 40% of the runners finish. Like, that's really, that's, really that's a high, high rate. <laughs> And when I ran it with Maya, like, four years ago, it was a different course. So, like, not completely different, but he tweaked so many of the legs to make it harder. Like, I would really love to see, like, Walmsley or Francois, like, any of these dudes, Tollefson, to come out to Canada and race Sinister 7. The guy that won ran UTMB and Sub-24, so that tells you he's solid, you know? Um, Yeah. And the chick that won... Um, that was her first hundred, but she's a total badass. She's young. She's like serious, has a coach trained hard. And, and like, I don't know. I just really, the good thing about it is I felt good the whole entire way. And usually I don't feel good once I hit like mile 80, but I just like, unfortunately ran out of time on that 
last section. And so, oh, and, and I'm, not so frustrating. Like, I'm not used to that. Dude, I'm not used to pushing cutoffs. Like in Canada, yeah. Like Sinister is doable if it had like a 35, 36 hour. I mean, I think that's like how, much, one of the, how much gain is in the, in the race? How much elevation um, gain? It's over 20,000, but that's not, like, the problem. Like, I want you and I want Carno to come out to Sinister. <laughs> I've been trying to get him out for a I, while. I, if Carno, if Carno's in and listening, I'm in. I'll, I'll make it happen. Okay. If if he's in, I'm in. Because that would be a hell of a Carno, time. Carno, it's on. That would be a good All little right. party. Um, I know. But, so... Anyway, it's not that it has, like, 20,000 feet of gain, because, like, whatever. That's not, like, crazy. There's plenty of races that have more than that. It's what you're dealing with. Like, each leg has a different personality. Like, some is just rocky shit. Some is mud yeah. bogs for, like, eight hours. Oh. Um, the downhills, like, okay. So I started the race in Luna Sandals. That was my plan, to kind of run, like, half the race in Luna's, half in Vivo Barefoot. Uh-huh. And by... Leg two, I was already falling, like, on my booty, like, just sliding down the mountain because the downhill is so slick and steep, and I run in the Luna Monos, which is, like, more of, like, a road-type Luna, so I was just, like, falling, so I switched into Vivo Barefoot, and that was fine. But, like, it's just the steepness. Like, the downhill is almost worse than the up because you're just, like, oh, sliding in. Those are the worst races. <laughs> Like, when the downhill, you school. can't even you can't even relax yeah. on the downhill. Oh man! Right, right. I know. And like the poles were amazing. Like the first time I ran Sinister, I never used poles, and I'm like, uh, everyone is using these trekking poles. What's up with that? But like some people were using them right from the start, from stage one, and I picked mine up at like about 35 on. I used my Lucky Micro Trail Pros, and they were the bomb. I should have just started with them. Oh, I want. I want to. I want to try those out. I know. We we got to get you hooked up with those for sure. Like I, it was so cool. I saw a lot of runners with those same leckies, and I was like all excited. That's funny. Yeah. But it sounds intense. So, I, mean, I, I mean, I think I think back to dropping at Run Rabbit Run at like mile eighty four ish. I don't even know what mile I dropped at at that point. Right. But we had thirty six hours, and I want to say the yeah. course profile was. I mean, identical in terms of gain, and it sounds like, honestly, the the trail that I was running on is much more plush and easier yeah, compared to I've yours. So, I I yep, almost think Sinister I... needs to like, hey, give them thirty five or thirty six hours, like for the soloist. That sounds very reasonable, know, like, right? The race director Brian is my friend, and he's so crazy and evil. Like he posts on Facebook. Okay, guys, 40% finishers rate. What is up with that? Do I need to make the course harder? And I'm like, no, oh, just like please throw in more flat fire roads for these California people. That's, but, um, that's what Run no, Rabbit Run not. is like, you know. It's it's yeah. really runnable stuff. Yeah. It is. It is runnable. Like, this is not. It's like you have your poles in your hand, but then, like, to get down sections, you have to grab onto trees, you know, and like oh, crawl I, and like. That's the worst. The little and, and it's always like the blocks. the two yeah. inch diameter tree that like kind of bends as you're going down and oh. <laughs> right. That that like, sounds I really gnarly. I can't describe how hard it is. You just have to go and do it. 
because it sounds so weak. Like I was ready. Yeah, I was super nervous just because I cared a lot about this race. Like, unfortunately, with this triple, they have the 100 miler first and then they have the 125K second and then the 100K last. So, I mean, unfortunately, it's that way. But um, it's just like, it's so beautiful. We had great weather. It was like fantastic. Saw a lot of friends, like a lot of of just good energy. Like aid stations were cool. Um, Just like that time cutoff just like crept up so fast, like, once it hit midnight, I just found myself like losing time so bad. Like I was, I was totally, was, I, totally bummed when I heard that you got timed out on that. Like seriously, because we were talking, yeah. and I was just like, "Go out, have fun. Like this is your first hundred miler. Like just finish. It's not really because I know you, and right. I, I thought you'd try to just go out as hard as you could. And it right. never, never entered my head that. Like that was even potentially like an issue, so right. I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, CCC is still a potential for you. I'd still stay positive about getting those points for next year, and and I oh, mean, I there's I nothing am. you can do about that race at this point right. other than just have learned from it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I had no downs, like no real bad spots, like everything was working and maybe I had wasted some time in the aid stations because I didn't really have crew but I mean um, I also learned that maybe um, I suck at just hiking like to finish this race in sub 30 like you have to be a hell of a hiker and like really train on that steep stuff with a heavy pack and you know I'm in California I'm not really training on baldy with a crazy heavy pack what you need to do is go do baldy like four or five times up and down with like 20 pound pack like it's just it's different I don't I'm not a good hiker like you have to be I'm, really I'm strong. not I'm not either and honestly I, I don't like hiking yeah I mean it plays right into what Leadville was like for me I mean this weekend I my mantra going in I I'd spoken with um, Becky, who is a, a silver queen, she's a badass. We're gonna have her on the show down the road, and she's nice. like, she's like going into this because she won silver queen. She is the silver queen. Uh, I forget it, how many years ago it was. She's like, like remember your strengths because you're a ultra runner. You're a runner. You're not a biker. So on those giant yeah. climbs just jump off your bike and push it up the hill and so like the whole the whole weekend I just kind of like reflected like I'm I'm a runner I'm not really a biker I'm doing the 50 mile silver rush bike and then the next day I'm doing the silver rush 50 mile run and each race starts at 10,200 feet altitude's like a huge deal because you do mm-hmm. these four climbs, they each go up to 12,000 feet and then drop back down. And so I just wanted to finish the bike as best I could. And when I got to the halfway point, I realized, like, I'm way ahead of cutoff times. Let's kind of just, it's in the bag, don't screw up, which is not mm-hmm. easy to do. Because the, the techie downhill stuff, like, I would... Dude. It was 8,000 feet of gain for each for each day and so I was like man I I hope my quads and glutes are okay for the following day but 
you work your ass off to get to the top and you would think like, oh, you get like just a smooth downhill mm-hmm. ride. And it was like the total opposite. Like the handlebars were just going nuts over this like super techie trail. My wrists, I felt like I was going to break my wrist because I'd broken yeah, my left so wrist. Oh, it, was, it was crazy. Um, but I broke my left wrist a long time back and I was like, well, hope I don't like re-injure it because this is it was that jumpy and my lower back was killing me and like it was a whole upper body workout like in addition to pushing my bike up and so I'm I literally so much fun it's it's fun but that downhill tech stuff was just like killer on my body like yeah I'm not into that either Seven. I, so I'm, it took me like seven hours to do this race, which again I was not pushing and I was trying to stay conservative because I have to run 50 miles. I don't even know what that's going to feel like. I'm literally two minutes from the finish line, and I hear a crack of lightning, and it starts hailing, and I'm just like, "Are you serious? Like I've been on this bike for seven hours. I'm two minutes from the finish line." Like, does someone not want me to finish this race? Like, what's going on? But that's, that's epic, like, that it happened two minutes. It's like, do-do-do, here's your finished run. Great for all There was, like, one slow clap. I don't think anyone was out because they were they were all huddling under tents. I, I had, yeah. like, zero cheers. Even my dad, who was on crew, was like hiding under a tent because he got hit in the head on, with Dad. one piece and yeah that that picture though was sort of worth it <laughs> oh man that was like when i saw that picture i'm like holy moly like he really like went through something on this race it wasn't just some easy peasy kind of like mountain bike cutesy ride i mean props shit. <laughs> props to props to leadville i mean their their races are really well organized and they they have photographers out there yeah. that actually want to get the shot because that guy right. easily could have just hit under a tent and just said, screw this, like it's hailing. But he went for it. Yeah. And, uh, he and got... your face was like the mouth open and like all. It was know, painful. Intense. I was getting pegged. I had like welts. So like I finished That's that. My dad right. went, my dad and I went out for dinner, tried to recover because recovery at altitude when you even come close to vo2 max is not quick and easy but yeah i was looking right. i was looking down at my arms and i had like welt marks <laughs> and so yeah the next Jeez. the next day i was like how is this gonna work and i don't understand how like i literally sat at that table with my dad the night before saturday night i was like 14 hours like i might miss the cutoff like i'm just gonna try my best to get it done and then the next day, yeah. everything felt great. Like, I literally, I think I had a good race for, like, the first time. I was just, like, my mantra that day was just be patient. Like, I wanted to get to mile 30, like, feeling good. And I knew that fourth climb from the bike. Like, I had yeah. to save energy for um, that climb all the way to the top. And then it drops down the last 10 miles. And... And so I held back, held back, held back, get get to the halfway mark, like, feeling good, 
keep running like it's not the greatest day of my life but it was i was feeling good and um yeah we get to mile 30 and there's a storm like on the horizon over the mountaintops like i can see the rain and so i'm just like okay it's time and so i hit like an eight minute mile down some pretty like technical stuff and this whole time i'm not racing it's just me against the course i don't care what anyone else is doing just right. hit it hard and at at like 11.5 doing an eight minute mile for me is like about as best I can do and it felt like phenomenal and I followed that up with an eight I think like an 8.40 and all I want to do is get to this aid station that's like a half marathon away from the finish I knew my dad was there he had everything set up he was awesome and I hit that fourth climb. It was painful. It was slow as shit. And I just kept yeah. going and going and going. I finally hit the top. And it's it was raining as I went into that aid station, by the way. So it's just raining on us. It finally clears up, and I have 10 miles to go. It's all downhill into the finish line. And I'm like, okay, this is where I can crush. And I feel like crap. <laughs> like the whole day i'm like depending on this last 10 miles to be like just flow like into the into the uh finish line and everything the whole two days caught up to me and so i'm suffering kind of like what we talked with carno i just go in this weird zone i went into autopilot suffer flow suffer flow it just literally i went into the aid station like five miles deep so mile 45 feeling like absolute shit like i managed yeah. to get there in a reasonable amount of time and i see this lady she's volunteering she has like a broken ankle or something in a boot and i'm like don't worry like i i had a broken ankle like i'm you know just joking around with everyone and for some reason that just like talking positively the whole time about other people just like lit this fire under me i just had watermelon with salt and hit a gel and just hit the road and it was suffer flow into the into the finish line and i i hit the very top of the hill so there's like a hundred yards of the finish line i thought i heard footsteps behind me i turned i didn't see anything yeah and this 16 year old kid tries to outrun me into the finish and the whole time i I, i just gunned it in because i was like shit there's there's beer at the finish line. I'm ready to be done. And so I just ran in. And then I look at all the videos and photos of the finish. And this guy's like tailing me and trying to trying to outstep me into the finish. It was kind of... Yeah, you should post that video. Because like, it looked like you were hauling ass. And this kid, he's just got like this huge stride, like butt kicking. You know, just like opening Wamsley up his stride style, and flying. Like, yeah. And like... Yeah, that was kind of crazy after all of that. After all that, like, and honestly, I didn't care if he wanted to beat me, like, whatever. Um, He probably totally. beat me, like, in the overall finish. So it was me against the course, and, I mean, it was a great experience. And, again, running at altitude is no joke. Like, the I know, complexities I know. of adding altitude is just crazy. Like, it messes your hydration up, like your pace level everything changes so i'm just very very thankful had my dad on crew and the community there was unbelievable like afterwards we were eating food and talking and sharing stories and all these runners came up to me and you know some followed on instagram twitter the podcast and it was just like 
the coolest community ever. Like, I've never had that great of a community uh, experience before. I, f I felt like we all had gone through a lot, and it was just, it was so cool. It was so cool. Michael Owen was there at Are the Are you going to do it again? I'm thinking about it. I, I might do lead band next year but it's not confirmed yet yeah. so right. self time um but well, yeah yeah it was a great experience next year and then go do your lead man i if i can work it out depending on the how dates fall and everything yeah we'll we'll figure it out yeah i think that's really cool like I love biking as much as running. I don't care. Like maybe people don't understand that. I know today on Insta you did that poll. Like, what do you like more, biking or running? Right? Yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. I really do like biking more than running because you're covering so much more distance. You're getting a killer workout. Like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just ultra really running. Good. It's like it's ultra running different. and fast forward is how I see it. Like, it's, absolutely. It's like you fast forward through I the video. Ninety percent of people like running over biking but i think i skewed that with those well, two pictures and uh you know we're training for ultras we're not training for any kind of bike of events course. really i i just think that running complements biking and biking complements running and you can do both it's not going to hurt you Walmsley is biking it's gonna you know, it's gonna help tommy, you our, it's gonna our help friend you. tommy Puzzi's biking like yeah. all, all my friends Mayo's biking like so many of my ultra runner friends are really like road biking now so and you're you're Is probably okay? in biking gear right now as we speak, right? And you're you're gonna go for a recovery bike ride, right? I am. I actually biked a little bit already this morning, and I'm just gonna go out tonight for like a couple hours. Um, that always really helps me um, recover from runs. Like I don't feel sore or beat up from sinister, but you know, like at the cellular level, there's got to be some damage. You might not feel it on the muscular level, like. I, I don't have like any problems, but like biking always active recovery. I'm super yeah, into. you're a huge um, proponent of that. So yeah. like swimming and biking is great. So awesome. yeah, I'm gonna go awesome. out for a sunset bike ride and. So uh, Michelle, what do you what, what's your next race that you have on the horizon? Oh, good question. That would be the Canadian Death Race. A nice easy one. Grand another Cash. another nice easy. Yeah. So it's 125K, but it's really cool because this is the first year that my friend Brian, who's the race director of Sinister 7, took over this race. And I believe the death race has been around like almost 20 years. And um, it just sounds cool. Like they give you a coin at this river crossing and you have to carry the coin until the finish. And if you don't have the coin, they will DNF you or something. Like cool. I think there's like some, like what are those... You know Grim what? Reapers, like I think you... there's one of those at the river crossing, and at Sinister there was like some evil death clown, like they have crazy <laughs> little stuff to mess with you when you're about to hallucinate at the, on the course. I, I haven't told anyone except for family, but I put in for the Georgia death race for next year in the lottery, so we'll see if oh, my yeah? uh, name gets drawn for that, and uh, I am also going to do Black Canyon 100k next year. But um, I have I have never summer coming up here in like two weeks, which is yeah pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I I just want to finish that also and and uh, 
that will lead me to 30 days until CCC, which is when I can, if I decide I want to push things, I can push them. If I want to just have a great experience, I can do that. But um, if I can finish Never Summer in CCC, I will have points, enough points to put into UTMB's lottery for the first time ever in my life. Yeah, yeah. Like, who wouldn't want to run that? I mean, that's like next level type training. So we'll see if if year, I don't even know. I think I've been doing this for two and a half, just almost three years. CCC will be my third right. third year running anniversary. And so, yeah, UTMB potentially could be my fourth year of running, which would be insane. Right. Um, but, yeah. Gosh, it's so crazy. You've only been running like a few years. It's like crazy because like I've been running so much longer, like 18 years and running ultras like 16, but it feels like a blink when I think of all of it, like it's a blur, like it goes by so quick. Because I remember when I wasn't a runner, I never like ran when I was in high school or like anything like that. I started running way later. So yeah, yeah, I just, I'm so thankful to have found a sport and this weekend the finish line of the 50 mile run just really reminded me how in love I am with this community. Like it was a group of people people. that had just shared like this amazing experience. We didn't even have to talk about the race because we all experienced it ourselves. And it was just like such a cool community. So Michelle, I always enjoy hearing, you know, running experience, biking experience and training experience from you and I, I truly appreciate you taking time to share all your background with the listeners. So recover well and uh, set that one aside and, and just start focusing in on this yeah. Canadian death race. Yeah, I I am. Like, I was pretty shocked and bummed and couldn't really wrap my head around this outcome because I felt ready. I wasn't you know, like freaked out about this race. I completed it before, but man, those course changes and just, it was just like kind of a bummer. Yes. Yeah, um, so I, 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 I was totally, that to happen. totally bummed for you. So I want to ask you one last question. Are you injury free? Oh, completely. It's funny because that went through my mind today. Usually at this time of year, I'm injured. And I have not one single little pain. Like, if anything, I'm going to get stronger from that running that whatever 85 miles yes. or 140, I'm, whatever. Hey, yeah. I'm in the same boat, which is very rare for me, too. I normally have one, yeah, one or two, like, little lingering things that are minor. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you because you're injury-free. And, um, yeah, you're going to get stronger from that race. That's for sure. So have a good night. Yeah, enjoy and, enjoy your bike ride. And uh, thank oh, you. Thank you. What are thank you, you doing again. tonight? I am taking care of a toddler and an infant. Oh, <laughs> that's re- like a five ultra. That's like a hundred miler right there. So no wonder you got so good so fast. It's mental. It's mental training. I've, I'm trying to remember who on Twitter. I think it's Jim Rebenek tw- tweeted out something. Um, yeah, it's, it's just mental training for ultras. So. Have a good night. Thank you again. Congratulations on Silver King. Thank you. That was nice hardware, and you really gutted it out. And, like, I mean, seriously, you just got your Slimer bike and 
got on there and signed up for this and completed it, and I really, really respect that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I don't know if I refer to myself as a Silver King or a Hail King. So, I, th- I think Hail King might might work better actually for uh, last weekend. But I think you're a Slimer King because that's your nickname for your bicycle. <laughs> All right, Cheetah Mermaid. Thank okay. you again. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay. I'll uh, I'll see stay in touch. Robert. All yeah, right, see ya. Come to Canada sometime. Oh, I'm, if Carno's in, I'm in. Okay, Carno. <laughs> you listening? Carno. Let's do this. Let's do it, Carno. And, and all the listeners, I'm, too. Listen up, guys. If you want your ass kicked, just uh, head north. And, Carno, I'm not going to run in the nude. Sorry, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> Before we check in with Dave Bronlick, who is through hiking over 500 miles of the Colorado Trail... Hope he's doing well. well. We'll see here shortly. I wanted to thank Sufferfest Beer. They've been a big supporter of the show. They have excellent distribution in California and now Colorado. And I, I highly recommend checking out SufferfestBeer.com for your nearest retailer. I love the FKT. It's their new. It's one of their new beers. They came out with Repeat, which is a low-cal beer. And I had a blonde at the uh, the finish line of Silver King, so... They've been a big supporter. Really appreciate having them on board. And Bigger Than the Trail, Tommy Byrne and his charity helping fly me out to Chamonix for CCC now now less than 50 days out. So it's it's all going to be coming up here pretty shortly and just truly appreciate having uh, Tommy's charity on board raising awareness of mental health through trail running. Check them out. Definitely a great cause. Do you just want to jump into things? I'm sure you don't have the mental energy to <laughs> to No, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm sitting on a deck right now at the hostel with a beer right now, so nice. it's pretty good right now. So, how many miles in are you? I'll just start I'll start recording now since this is what we'd even we'd talk okay. about behind the scenes anyways. So, how how many miles are yes. you into things? Well, for the Colorado Trail, um, the Highway 9 between Frisco and Breckowage is mile, I think, 104.1. Okay. And then it took me about 30 miles to walk from, walk, I shouldn't say walk, hike, from um, my house in uh, Lone Tree to Waterton Canyon. So about 134 miles nice. since uh, Wednesday. And what, yeah, what day are you on now? You just finished this out. This is uh, day five. Day five. Very yeah, cool. I did like just a little over six miles this morning. I slept in, which is pretty nice because it was pretty cold when I got up. So it was nice not to have to pack up my tent at 5 a.m. when it's freezing cold out. So I slept in until 8, got a good night's sleep, got to Breckenridge, checked into the hostel, did a resupply, now sitting here, checking a beer on the deck with a view of the mountain. So uh, it's pretty beautiful. good right now. Nice. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. It sounds like things are going, you know, pretty well, as well as they can go for having a 40-pound pack on your back and putting in, you know. Well, it was, prob- <laughs> <laughs> it was probably down to 18 when I got to the road today, so. No kidding. A lot you of went through that much food and wow. water weight. Very cool. Yeah, the food and the water probably takes up about half the weight, so it's nice, nice to um, have that weight go down as the trip progresses. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine 
I mean, when you pick that pack up, and for the listeners' background, you can yeah. check out Dave. Dave and I like we did some video just of his kind of packing. There'll be a video on what he actually packed, and then there's another video like it's a real short three minute, three and a half minute video of him actually waking up and leaving for this big trip, and like he cooks himself breakfast and <laughs> heads out his front door. And I think it's amazing that you just went out your front door and put in the, the extra 30 miles just to hit Waterton Canyon. So I I was at work and realizing it was like 95, 96 the day you left. I was like, oh, gosh, this is like kind of worst case mm-hmm. scenario. How how did you handle all that excess heat? Um, yeah, Wednesday I got super hot. And it was tough, like, the morning, and there's not a lot of shade pretty much anywhere between um, my apartment and my apartment house <laughs> and Waterden. Um, so that kind of, that really took its toll. It was just one of those days where it didn't really matter how much sunscreen you put on. You still got burnt. So, yeah, yeah. by, like, Wednesday afternoon, like, I was just feeling my legs burning, and I kept reapplying sunscreen. It's just, like... It doesn't help at all. And then I got to Waterton Canyon, and there's a nice, cool river that flows right through it. And once I got to a nice spot, I took my shoes off. It's ice cold, Sunk right? my legs into the river. Yeah, yeah, ice cold, and it just felt felt so good. And I was lying down on this picnic bench, at, and I looked at my watch, mile, like, 31. It's like, I could just fall asleep right now, but you can't <laughs> camp in Waterton Canyon, so I knew I had to hike another, like, six miles to get somewhere where I could camp. I ended up just getting there at, like, 840 right when it was just getting dark, so nice. barely made it that day. So, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, that was the longest day by far. And, and I was thinking of you, actually. I was like, man, at least he's hitting Waterton Canyon. I thought you might even take a dip in that... that creek or river it it can be a river at times for sure um so you just dipped your toes in okay um and, uh, and... yeah maybe kind of up to my shins but yeah nice. it's definitely more it's definitely more a river than a creek if you're not familiar with it yeah for, i mean as you work your way up i mean you get mm-hmm. I, yeah i have a lunch spot hidden back there about one hour up from oh, the nice. uh the start of that like a giant rock in the middle of the river um yeah it's beautiful it's more like a gorge almost yeah yeah it's pretty flo- it flows pretty fast yeah for sure like you you get caught caught up in that for sure um so so far i mean you're what mile are you at again i'm sorry from out of your house you're like um, mile 100 yeah, and... from out of my house like 134 134 what what's the biggest surprise that like you know you've you've done all your homework you've done some hiking mm-hmm. on the Appalachian Trail before like what are you most surprised about so far um I mean there's not too many big surprises I've just really enjoyed how much the trail has changed like from mile to mile if you don't get into the same routine it's there's always something different um for example we were or i was up in these like pine trees kind of high alpine forest and then that breaks out into this beautiful meadow with a creek next to it and you hike through that for miles and you come down you're in the forest again and then yesterday 
I got a brook tree line. So coming from hiking parts of the Appalachian Trail where they call it the Green Tunnel just because it's miles and miles of basically the same thing to this trail where it just changes so much and it's just so beautiful that it's just, it's just awesome. It's just such a cool trail. And already looking forward to getting back out there tomorrow, really hitting the big mountains. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once once you're up towards Breckenridge, I mean, I know Breck's, what, 8,500 feet, I want to say, roughly? So, I mean, that's... I think uh, there's a sign outside the hostel, I think it said 9,700 feet. Okay, so it's up, is. it's up, wow, that's, that's good yeah, that you're there, because it goes up towards Leadville after Breck, is that right? Yeah, so Twin Lakes General Store is my uh, next resupply. So then it goes, it doesn't go through Leadville, but it goes close to Leadville. I think maybe eight miles, if I remember from my research from Leadville, but I'm not going to, not going to stop there. I can save that for uh, August. Yeah. But um, I'll be stopping in Twin Lakes and then going over Hope Pass. Well, awesome. I mean, if it, if it times out that uh, Friday, you know, you're in the area, let me know and I'll, uh, my my dad's actually okay. gonna crew me for Silver King. Oh, nice! So yeah, for before the the fifty mile bike that night uh, night before, we have a little hole in the wall taco place to go check out. If you know, if you're in the area, I'd be happy to buy you dinner. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to look at my itinerary, but I think um, I think I'm past Hope Pass by Friday, so I think I'm just past there. So we might just cool. miss each other. You know what's funny is we're going to see each other at Hope Pass because I just signed up to um, volunteer at that aid station. They had, I don't oh, know what right. happened. That's like the hardest aid station probably besides one or two at Hard Rock to get into. The, the one with the llamas? Yes. Yeah, the famous one. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, I, I that's just, so cool. Yeah, it's like a two-hour hike into the aid station, so... That's on yeah. sa- that's on Saturday during Leadville, so um, I'll get to see you at Hope Pass. So, yeah, what hours are is the volunteer for? Yeah, actually, that's a that's a great point. It might be I I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it's I think it's still like well, three p.m. on Saturday so. or something like that. Okay. So yeah. back back to the Colorado Trail. I mean, you're essentially using this as just a fun summer excursion adventure exploring but also getting your legs kind of prepared for those those long ascents uh, up up a mountain like Hope Pass you know mm-hmm. during the Leadville 100 miler I mean what have you Yeah so it's been interesting What have yeah, you taken ahead, away from like ultra running like have you hit that ultra running mind frame while you're out there through hiking um, yeah, to, to some extent, like you're def- it's definitely a lot of time on your feet and it's just different that it's like every day. Like I basically did four 30 mile days in a row. So <laughs> it's like 50 K towards the end, your feet get tired, but you yeah. kind of play those mental games with yourself. But I don't know. I do that during an ultra too. It's like, Oh, get to this time or this mileage, then have this cliff bar or take this break. I guess you don't really take breaks per se during an ultra. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I kind of play those games with myself, and I think it helps to just just all that time in your feet definitely helps. I've come across people on the trail. I'm wearing the training for ultra 
head towards hat. It's worked out great. But people see that, they ask me if I'm training for an ultra, and I tell them, yeah, I'm training for the Leadville 100. And people ask me, well, does, that, does hiking help you? And it's like, yeah, I think, I think it definitely does. Just all the time on feet. Um, but also add in that I think I do have a pretty strong running base. I don't think you could just hike and then jump into the Leadville 100. I don't think that would work out. You think you do need that running base yeah, for behind sure. you too. But with the Colorado Trail, it's like three weeks. And it's kind of that last training block before Leadville. So I'll have like a month between finishing the trail and Leadville to kind of recover and taper. So using it sort of as a training block. And then like we talked about last time, also just the hike the Colorado trail, because it's just an awesome thing to do. I mean, I think after you take your 40 pound pack off that you said lightens up to 18 pounds after you eat through all your food and water and everything, I yeah. mean, you can use handhelds during Leadville. Like talk yeah, about feeling light on your feet, man. <laughs> that That's going to be an amazing feeling after, 530 yeah, odd miles <laughs> with the with the huge I also pack been looking at sorry i've been looking at my watch like towards the end of these long days and it's like time elapsed 12 hours and i'm like barely at 30 miles like well i need to be at like i don't know 60 or 70 <laughs> at this time for leadville but i guess uh just having that 12 liter pack as opposed to a 45 liter pack will, will make a big difference yeah it'll make a huge difference i think it's cool i don't i honestly i don't know if it's ever been done before kind of like we've discussed in yeah the past. like i i would venture to say you're probably the first person to do the colorado trail as a training block into leadville <laughs> i mean i can't think of anyone that could recover um, and be prepared to hit the start line. But yeah, I, I think your kind of thoughts going into it, like Ian Sharman sticks out in my mind. Like he's a big proponent of walking and hiking as like recovery, but just, you know, getting in huh. time on your feet. And he seems yeah. to have done okay at Leadville. So yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and West and Western States for that matter. So have you, and I know you don't have too much time here, have you come across any crazy? Uh, they have plenty of time. Crazy wildlife. Sorry. Um, so far, not really. Um, the bighorn sheep in Waterton Canyon got to see those. Those are cool. Um, but you know, any day user in Waterton was likely to come across those. But um, I saw a hummingbird. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing too crazy. Someone at Kenosha Pass told me they saw a baby moose, but I didn't get to see it. Um, like heading into the mountains, apparently it's um, mountain goat territory. So hopefully, I'll get to see some of those, and we'll see. I'm going to get into the more remote sections of trail over the next couple of weeks. So the wildlife viewing, hopefully, will pick up. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good thing. You don't want to see a a bear and you know the the cubs right out yeah, of the well, gates. Yeah, apparently, um, bears are not. Um, too populated in Colorado. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but not a huge concern out on the trail. Good. I mean, that's when I was on, yeah, when I was on the Appalachian more... Trail last week, yeah, sorry, when I was on the AT last week in New Jersey and New York, I saw four bears in four days. 
Yeah. But those black bears are just kind of like big rodents. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just more interested in feeling your food than you becoming food. So how are you feeling? You're, you're beyond, you're what, 25% roughly into this. I mean, are you feeling yeah. confident that this is doable for you? Or is this, I mean, have you questioned yourself at all throughout this? And uh, how, are, how are you no, mentally? No, it's definitely doable. These feeling good. Like today, you know, part of me was glad to be getting into town and taking an easy day. But the other part of me wanted to go up and over the next mountain. The trail's going to get above 12,000 feet for the first time tomorrow so kind of want to do that today but you know it'll be there it'll be there tomorrow physically really feeling feeling pretty good yeah get tired towards the end of the day but you know that's to be expected and you can mitigate that with just short breaks helps a lot um yeah i kind of forgot i was gonna say something but i forgot what it was so go ahead no i i I appreciate you doing the one minute updates at the end of each day i think you'll like to reflect on those you know after the fact too um and i think the listener likes to the listener's gonna love those so really appreciate Mm -hmm. you taking the time and and kind of planning those out throughout the day and thinking about how how can you summarize this in one minute because it's hard for sure i'm guessing um yeah, I, it is hard. And some of them have been closer to two minutes. And I remember what I was going to say. Um, towards the end of day two, um, it was kind of a, it was a long day, and it got pretty hot. So it was a day after you know the first day where it was really really hot, and I kind of the last like fifteen miles I hiked with a pretty bad headache. So that was definitely my lowest moment. So uh, that was my shortest day, only twenty eight miles. <laughs> but uh, I got to camp probably around six that evening and just just laid down and just you know being off my feet for about 12 hours just made made all the difference and then made day three and day four i felt great so yeah i was pleased to get through that that part and how are, are you experiencing any chafing or any blisters or like any injuries at all like how how are your how are your feet holding up? How's everything else holding up? Uh, the feet are good. I got some blisters on them on the AT last week. Excuse me. Drinking a beer out here on the deck. Go, going yeah. in with blisters. Oof. Yeah. Well, they, they healed up. I finished, like, last Thursday and started the CT the following Wednesday. So the blisters are pretty much healed. But the Colorado Trail, it's just such a dry climate and i think what contributed to those blisters on the at was just how humid and moist it is and i think just i wasn't really used to that living out in colorado for a year but um yeah i had really no blisters on the feet like i said they get sore towards the end of the days little bit of chafing kind of around where the pack sits around my hip but i just put gold bond powder on there at the end of the day and it's not really a big issue so nice. Yeah, all good on that front. And how's how's your knee holding up? I mean, you you, you seem like it was just kind of a, a niggle of some sort. Is that how you're seeing your your knee? You said was just a little bit sore. Is that right? 
Um, did I say that? I don't recall saying that. <laughs> um, so I guess it's not that big of a not that. I guess big it's of over. Issue. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. My hips were a little bit sore at the end of a couple of days when the pack was heavier. I guess Thursday, Friday. But um, yeah, it feels good. I can kind of feel my body adjusting to just walking and hiking all day up and over mountains. So. Nice. Yeah, it should be it should be a really good week starting tomorrow on a Monday and really getting into the heart of the Rocky Mountains. It's just going to be a lot of fun out there. So I, I just have like one or two more questions. I mean, is the weather? Yeah, I, I know it was hot the first day. Have you run into any bad storms and kind of how's Mother Nature treating you? I know there was a wildfire that you kind of worked your way around. Is that right? Yeah, well, fortunately, I didn't have to really work my running around it. The trail took me around it. Um, but the weather, for the most part, has been absolutely perfect. Um, you know, first couple of days were pretty hot. But once I got above, like, 8,000 feet and stayed above 8,000 feet, it, the weather doesn't really get above 80 degrees. And it's yeah. felt really nice. gets cool at night, which is perfect for sleeping. As for storms, um, nothing yet. It looked like it might storm yesterday afternoon, and it never did. But we really do need the rain out here in Colorado. So, you know, part of me doesn't want it to storm on me, but the other half says, well, if it does, it needs it, and I'm prepared for it. So the only raindrop I felt was the end of day two. I think I felt like two raindrops, and then that was it. So, cool. yeah, weather weather's been good, but checking the forecast for the coming week it looks like um we're gonna be hitting those afternoon thunderstorms very typical so that'll be yeah. another another yeah another variable to account for so last question here and i appreciate you taking the time i'm excited to hear you update us next week hopefully if we get you know a good cell coverage wherever you are and in the following week yeah, we'll and, and hear <laughs> hear how this 530 mile journey goes um what adjustments do you plan on making are you going to make any kind of nutritional adjustments i know you're just in town are you making sock adjustments i know you're probably going to toe socks at this point um uh, <laughs> joking <laughs> uh like what what adjustments are you making you've put in 130 odd miles and you're in town are you are you making any changes mm -hmm. to your plan or are you just sticking to it uh, well, I guess the biggest change going forward from here is that I am going to cut back my mileage a little bit. At least that's what I had planned when I kind of made these plans back in March. Um, but I don't know. If I feel good, I might just stick with doing 30s if the weather cooperates. But I do want to give myself some flexibility for the possibility of storms or having to wait out a storm or having to wait to go above tree lines. So I do want to play it, play it smart. From that point of view, um, no, my shoe system, I said, really haven't had too many problems with my feet, so I'm going to keep that the way it is. No toe socks. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that's, that's um, another, awesome. Another, <laughs> another thing that I'm going to make a change with is, um, this is kind of a silly thing, but I got the Welch's like, jelly that comes in those like plastic containers, and I found that no matter how tight I screwed on the cap, that it leaked, and then my food bag got, like, all sticky. 
Yeah. So I will not be carrying any more Welch's grape jelly with me. So I have like a quarter left in my pack. So I'll bring that with me. And yeah, <laughs> that'll be that. But I think I have some in my mail drop. So I don't, I don't know about that. But just having your food all sticky is not yeah. ideal. So we'll have, we'll have to make an adjustment there. But really... I think having sticky food has been the biggest problem so far. That's so I guess that's that a good problem. Gone pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Well, Dave, we're we're um, definitely eager to hear updates from you, and appreciate you taking the time. And thank you again to the listeners, those those Patreon supporters. All of the uh, June donations were diverted to to dave so dave um got all the patreon support money appreciate that rob that's super nice no i mean it's it's trust me i i want to help out more but you know right now it's it's rough but i'm glad we could you know help provide you hopefully two two warm meals or a few beers at your your, uh, current location so Take care, Dave, and uh, look forward to hearing your updates, and stay safe out there, man. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot, Rob, for having me again, and we'll be in touch. And that's episode 51. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Dean Carnassus for taking so much time, along with Michelle Barton and Dave Bromlake. Hopefully Dave's uh, making some progress. We'll hear another update next week. So big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, and Bigger Than the Trail. And again, big thank you to the Patreon supporters. So Lauren, Scott, Richard, and Ben are four new Patreon supporters. And I truly appreciate you guys. You make it work behind the scenes. You might not realize it, but um, you know, without that Patreon support, I'm not sure this would all work. So thank you guys. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have fun out there. I'll talk to you next week.